Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is June 21st, 2019. That's right. And I'm not going to bore you to death today, I promise. It's going to be a very informative show, let me tell you, because we're not talking Facebook Libra. I mean, it'll come up, right? It has to, right? It'll come up, but that's not our main topic today at the front of the show. No way know-how. We're not like other subscription letters that all they want to do is just talk about <laughs> Libra. <laughs> no, we're talking about some serious stuff today. And one of the, I just want to tell you, because I find it fascinating that throughout my whole time getting into cryptocurrency and then kind of navigating this whole podcast world and attending these conferences, talking to people and talking to y'all, I'm starting to realize like my kind of kind of draw is going towards this whole financial system and understanding how the Federal Reserve works, understand how the U.S. Treasury works and how they control the price of the dollar. And all this stuff is going on. I find myself knowing more about how Wall Street is coming on board with all this. And let's just say when it comes to monetary policy, I probably know more now than I've ever known in my entire life. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because it definitely is showing with gray hairs. <laughs> Let me tell you, today it was announced that the Federal Reserve's Jerome Howe was asked about his latest thoughts on Bitcoin. And of course, everybody wrote this up. You know, this is the same guy that is getting into it with President Donald Trump about quantitative easing. And it's probably one of the a lot of people in this space believe it's probably one of the most irresponsible and largest monetary policy experiments in human history. Right. We know what happened in 2008. I don't need to remind you. Those are hard times. Right. Those are really hard times. So take a listen to what he says in regards to Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. And yeah, <laughs> Libra comes up too. Hi, Heather Long from the Washington Post. Could you clarify what you would do if the president tweets or calls you to say he would like to demote you as Fed chair? I, um, I think the law is clear that I have a four-year term and I, I fully intend to serve it. Uh, Nancy Marshall Genser with Marketplace. Um, Chair Powell, are you concerned that new digital currencies like Libra, which Facebook unveiled this week, could undermine the Fed and, and erode your power to influence the economy? And did anyone from Facebook talk with anyone at the Fed before Libra was unveiled this week? So on your specific question of um, digital currencies replacing central bank currencies, um, I think we're a long way from that. Uh, and of course, the, so I think we're a long way from that. Digital currencies are in their infancy. Um, so, essentially, 
not too concerned about, you know, the central banks no longer being able to carry out monetary policy because of cryptocurrencies or digital currencies. Um, you know, Facebook, I believe, has made quite broad rounds in, uh, around the world, really, with regulators, supervisors, and lots of people to discuss their plans, and that, that certainly includes us. And we're, you know, it's something we're, we're looking at. Um, we, we meet with a broad, broad range of private sector firms all the time on financial technology, uh, and there's just a tremendous amount of innovation going on out there. Um, you know, there are potential benefits here. There are also potential risks, uh, particularly of, of a currency that could, uh, you know, that could potentially have large application. So uh, I, I would echo what um, what Governor Carney said, which is that we we will wind up having quite high expectations from a sort of uh, safety and soundness and regulatory standpoint if they do decide to go forward with something. Do you think you're involved in regulating Libra then? You know, we, have, we don't have plenary authority over cryptocurrencies as such. They play into our world through uh, consumer protection and uh, money laundering and things like that. But I would say that, you know, through, through international forums, uh, you know, we, we have um, uh, significant input into, into the payment system and, uh, and, you know, as you know, play an important role in the payment system here in the United States. Yeah, it's called the FATF. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Yeah, they don't they don't necessarily deal with regulating cryptocurrency in that kind of way. Um, listening to this whole, it's like a 45 minute discussion about, let me tell you, monetary policy. <laughs> and what I noticed is a lot of people that are like asking the questions, they don't really know a lot about um, how the Federal Reserve really works. I'm not... I'm not saying that I'm the most knowledgeable person about the Federal Reserve, but I've come to learn quite a bit about it, unfortunately. Uh, so economists actually believe that the Fed is not likely to cut any interest rate in June, despite May's weak job data. And that's their ultimate job is just to look at jobs and soften consumer inflation, right? Price inflation. But the likelihood of them decreasing the rates won't actually happen until after July 30th and 31st. And meanwhile, with all this going on, you have an 80% approval rate cut by traders. The sentiment is that the U.S. stock market has turned bullish for the near term. It's it's a mess. It's a mess, right? We know what's going on with LibraCoin and, of course, U.S.-China trade war. There's a whole lot of stuff, political stuff we really don't cover here. My whole point that I'm trying to get across, and I, I hope you guys kind of understand this, is that the Federal Reserve will be cutting its rates. And this is entirely bullish for non-sovereign, hard-capped, global, immutable, decentralized. You know where I'm going with this. I'm talking about Bitcoin. You see, unlike traditional cash money out there, Bitcoin is not susceptible to hidden inflation. It's not controlled you know, by a central authority. These are things you know. And one of the mishaps that these central bankers are making, and including the Federal Reserve and the US Treasury, is that they're looking at Bitcoin as digital gold and they're not taking it seriously, which I find to be hilarious, in my opinion. I mean, why should they? It's only, what, it's a $300 million market cap today? We went to 300 million, Bitcoin's priced at 9,700? Why should they take it seriously? We all see what's happening behind the scenes, but there's one guy 
There's one guy who sees it all. He's like the oracle of this. I saw him during uh, Ethereal Summit in New York. His name's Travis Kling. Take a listen as he gives you the play-by-play of where we come from since 2008 till this year. So, so in 2008, we had the beginning of the largest monetary and fiscal policy experiment in human history. Uh, quantitative easing while simultaneously running increasingly larger deficits on top of uh, increasingly untenable debt loads. And that's not hyperbole, that's, that's unequivocal fact. Um, the U.S. printed about $4.5 trillion over that period of time. Uh, the largest central banks globally printed something like $15 trillion. That's the largest monetary experiment in human history. And then, and then in 2017, the Fed tried to start ending the largest monetary experiment in human history uh, with, with quantitative tightening. And in 2018, risk assets around the world started uh, not liking that very much at all. Um, crypto was actually the first to go, uh, which makes sense because it's sort of the furthest out on, on the risk spectrum. And then one asset class after another started falling until by the end of 2018, uh, you had more asset classes globally uh, with negative returns in a year than you've ever had ever. Um, specifically in Q4-18, you had this sort of like dumpster fire for risk assets. Everything was tanking. Uh, Steve Mnuchin calling the plunge protection team from Cabo on... Christmas Eve, um, and uh, the market, uh, if you pay attention to what the Fed does, uh, uh, Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed, used this, this term in, in mid-December about how balance sheet was on autopilot, the balance sheet roll-off and, and tightening, and the market really, really didn't like that term, autopilot. And you know who else didn't like that term? Donald Trump didn't like that term. So Donald Trump started talking shit on Twitter to the chairman of the Fed, and, and, and the crazy thing about it was, was that it, it actually worked. Um, so on January 30th, the Fed capitulated, and they went from this stance of, of uh, tightening and balance sheet roll-off and um, uh, pushing up interest rates further, complete do- uh, like turnaround to dovishness and um, accommodation by any means necessary and sort of all future tightening uh, going on pause. That's, that's a big deal. And then on March 10th, Jay Powell went on 60 Minutes and he confirmed it. And then on March 26th, they had another FOMC meeting and they were even more dovish. And, and, then, and then because the United States did it, then all the other central banks globally could fall in line. The ECB, the BOJ, the PBOC, Reserve Bank of Australia. Two days ago, uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand cut interest rates. Uh, in case you're wondering how quantitative tightening is going. Uh, the first, first large global economy to do so in 2019. And, and the punchline is, is like, so the whole world's monetary policy shifted over the last couple months from trying to end the largest monetary experiment in human history to having no desire to try and end that. That's really important as a backdrop for crypto assets. Um, specifically for, for Bitcoin, crypto is definitely a risk asset, but, but Bitcoin is a, is a risk asset with a specific set of investment characteristics that become increasingly more attractive the more irresponsible monetary and fiscal policy becomes. It's, it's a hedge against that. It's an insurance policy against that. So these are things that you all know. I don't have to tell you all this. You know this stuff. It's something that we preach over and over and over and over in the crypto ecosystem. But make no mistake, the central banks, Federal Reserve, the U.S. Treasury are not looking at what we're building here. We're building a new decentralized infrastructure. Bitcoin, other digital currencies like Ethereum, they're all, it's all going to be something. Think of it like 
kind of how if we look at Facebook and we look at Libra and we look at what they're doing, right? We can say all day long, it's not Bitcoin, it's not decentralized. But if you kind of take a couple steps back and you see it for what it really is, and it's Microsoft in 1995, when they literally went out there and said, we're betting on the open web, bringing you IE, we're bringing it to your Windows 95, everybody's gonna be able to access the internet. Remember that? If you don't, look it up, it's on YouTube. So that is what's going on here. But we need this, we need regulators to pay attention. And it looks like they're paying attention to Facebook, but in the back door, yeah, there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, there's Cosmos, there's other big blockchains that are building out decentralized identity, that are building out whole decentralized infrastructure, even, even autonomous organizations, right? This is gonna change everything and they're not getting it. <laughs> they don't understand it. And this is where they get left behind. And there's gonna be one cryptocurrency the godfather, the OG, to lead the way. And that's Bitcoin. It starts there. Then everything else comes behind it. Take a listen to Mike Novogratz preach the gospel. A president that wants a weaker dollar, uh, A, it's a, it's a surprise in general, but, uh, you know, putting pressure on the Fed, talking about Europe, I mean, that just plays into kind of the, the long gold, long Bitcoin story. Uh, as the president continues to undermine the credibility of the Fed, I mean, it puts Palin untenable position. There's almost no way he can cut rates tomorrow, uh, having the president just almost blackmailed him to do so. And I don't think he was planning it anyways. I think they cut in July. Um, but, you know, this overall theme has been one of the things that's been driving Bitcoin, the trade war. Uh, and then Facebook thing is stunningly important, right? It just credentialized this entire movement. And if you're at the state of Wisconsin or if you're at the Texas Municipal Teachers Union or any of these institutional pension funds that have been looking, and maybe they're on the 30-yard line, they just moved to the 60 or the 30 on the other side. You know, institutions are already investing. You've got the Harvard endowment, the Yale endowment, the Stanford endowment, University of Pennsylvania. And this is just going to accelerate the movement. Bitcoin never was trying to be the payment currency recently. It's been the lane it's had is digital gold. And this just credentializes the whole space. And so if you're an institution, you were thinking of getting into the space, the first place you get in is Bitcoin. And we've seen that with almost every big institution that's come into the space. I think you're going to see uh, a lot of different uh, cryptocurrencies, right? Because it used to be, shit, if I invest, I might look stupid. Now it's going to be, if I don't invest, I might look stupid. Uh, and I think there's a big shift going on. And so it wouldn't surprise me. Listen, B Bitcoin's had a big run. It probably a little buy the rumor, sell the fact, and maybe consolidates for a while. But it really wouldn't surprise me if we're significantly higher by the end of the year. Yeah, significantly higher by the end of the year. That is not an understatement. That is the truth. To be honest with you, no way in hell did I think we were going to be at $9,700 Bitcoin right now in June. No way. No way. I would have taken a break. <laughs> I would have kept the season going. <laughs> we would have just went on to third season transition. No, no, there's just no way. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, Bitcoin has exceeded all expectations for everybody in this ecosystem. Everybody. Like, we didn't think that was going to happen this year. We thought it was going to happen maybe later in the year. But, yeah, it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming, and I wouldn't be surprised you wake up tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this and you see a $10,000 Bitcoin. And we know what happens when that happens. It just goes up to 11, 12. <laughs> it's going to be crazy.
All right, ladies and gentlemen. So right now we are going to talk Ethereum. That's right. In a coin analysis. Um, I need to tell you about this because I feel like we're at this inflection point right now. Very similar to where we were at $80 Ethereum back in uh, November. And a lot of people were laughing out there in the ecosystem saying, oh, there goes Ethereum. It's going to go down to seven dollars again. Like people were saying that. And this is another thing that we're coming into right now. So we'll probably bring this up later in a couple of weeks or even maybe in a month. Who knows? But it's going to happen soon. Right now we have Ethereum priced at 270. Right. It looks like it's going to be at 275, 280. It's been fluctuating back and forth between 240 to 260 to 250, 280, 290. Hasn't got over 300 yet. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> it's very important that you understand that when Bitcoin went into a parabolic just rise after 10,000 the first time around, Ethereum is underpriced is what I'm trying to say. Severely underpriced. Right now, if you look at when Bitcoin rose to just above 10,000 the very first time, it immediately crashed almost immediately, went down to went, went up to 10, said hello, 10, 6, peaked at 11 and then crashed back down under nine. That was Bitcoin. And that happened on November 30th, 2017. If you look at what Ethereum did, it was already above $270. It was at $383 before that. And so when Bitcoin shot up, it was priced at $495. So we are severely undervalued right now. Bitcoin being $9,700. As soon as it gets up to $10,000, what happened to Ethereum? It shot up. <laughs> it shot up over $600. Once it once it solidified 10,000 Bitcoin. So if I'm a betting man, <laughs> we're going to be near $600 pretty soon. Like I would say if, if Bitcoin keeps performing the way it's performing, there's no reason why we shouldn't be at these $600 Ethereum levels per coin in the next few months. So what I started doing was like I said, back in November, I started buying it at $80. And I think right now is for me, the time that I'm going to start buying more again. And yeah, it's going to suck because I'm paying like triple the amount, right? Um, but I know, I know that when Bitcoin starts running up over $10,000 and gets to an 11, 12, 13, 14, because that's what Bitcoin does when it gets over 10, right? We get extremely happy and everybody starts just investing. And when that happens, you're going to see Ethereum rise above $600. And at that point, you've just 2x your initial investment or your rest, the rest of your investment. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. That's that's this is why I wanted to talk about Ethereum um, in, in this segment is because I feel like it's severely undervalued and no one in the entire space is bringing this up. Uh, it's because everybody's focused on Bitcoin. But like I've always said, I said this time and time again, 
when Bitcoin has their ETF and it goes through and back, you know, launches it, it's going to be awesome. The whole space is going to love it. Bitcoin's going to rise up to 20K. It's going to go over there. You know, it's all going to happen, right? When that does, people are going to say, hey, what's another cryptocurrency out there that's really decentralized? Not quite as, as much as Bitcoin, but decentralized enough that we can build an ETF around it and we can build out infrastructure around it. There's only going to be one place they're going to they're look. It's not going to be Litecoin. It's not going to be XRP. It's not going to be any other of these cryptocurrencies. It's going to be programmable money. It's going it's, it's to be Ethereum. Make no mistake. Um, and, and, that's, and that's how it's going to go. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh, get your Ethereum. It's under $1,000. You know, or get your Ethereum. It's under $2,000 or whatever it's going to be at. Um, and it, I don't honestly, I don't have a number of where it could go long term. I know a lot of people in this space believe Bitcoin is going to get to 100,000. Right. At some point, we believe that. Right. Uh, with Ethereum. I don't know when I find out, I will tell you <laughs> as soon as I find out. It's just that Ethereum is just entirely different asset than Bitcoin. So there's really no long term. But looking at the short term here, 2x. Yeah, we can easily go from 300 to 600. Speculative token analysis. These are future predictions. You know, I wanted to talk about, you know, give you some cryptocurrencies to look out for, but I'd be doing you a disservice. I really would. I really, really would. And as you can tell right now, a lot of these alts are moving into Bitcoin. That's what you're seeing. So, you know, when I was able to tell you, okay, get Cosmos, get Grand, then you saw it go up. That's just, you know, <laughs> even though I like saying it's a thriller effect, it really is just really good timing and paying attention to markets and paying attention to news and public sentiment, right? It's just good timing. Um, right now is not a good time to invest in alts, in my opinion. I... I think that loading up on because we do this show every week, ladies and gentlemen, right? I think loading up on Bitcoin while it's still under 10K is the way you should go. I think loading up on Ethereum while it's still under $300 is the way you should go. Um, that's something that I would say right off the bat. Focus on those two things, right? Make sure your Bitcoin stack is really high. You know, one of the it's, it can get frustrating, but one of the questions I get all the time from no coiners or from just anybody new entering the space. And, um, and I'm sure you y'all get this as well, too. How much Bitcoin do you hold? Right. It's the first thing. Uh, maybe maybe you tell your wife, <laughs> maybe you tell your significant other, maybe you tell your boyfriend who knows. Right. But maybe that person only knows. Right. Um, but random no coiners will come to you and be like, well, if Bitcoin gets over ten thousand dollars, how many? How much Bitcoin do you own? I would just say, <laughs> I would just say, never answer that question, right? You know for a fact how easy it is for somebody to hack your life, right? So never answer that question first off, and second off, what you should tell them is, 
How much money do you have in your bank account? How much money is in your 401k? How much have you saved? How much have you earned? Right? Only you should know. That's private information. Only you should know that. And with Bitcoin, it's the same thing. So making sure that your stack is high enough so that when you do want to spend it or do you do want to purchase that house or you do want to purchase that new vehicle or you want to purchase that Lambo, <laughs> we can all dream, right? That you you put everything you could without going entirely broke <laughs> to solidify your position and uh, remain true to it. So I would say make sure that while it's still under 10K, because at this point, I think a lot of us believe we're going to get over 10K, right? It's not it's not like a crazy idea. And if it's going to be like the last 2017 bull run, then we know what happens, right? It's going to crash a little bit, get back under. It's going to go for that second dip and then boom, it's going to shoot back up, right? It might even get to 15K and then it'll fall back down to 12K or something, right? So you'll see these little chances, right? And then once it gets past 20, who knows? <laughs> it's just uncharted territory. We don't know how that's going to go, right? We don't know if it's going to crash back down again, you know, to 9 or 10K. Who, know? who knows? I don't know. No one knows yet. We'll have to see how it goes. Be watching everything, coin metrics. But I will say right now, getting under 10K while you, while you still can, I think that's a, I think that's a the smart play here, at least for this week. Uh, it's something that I'm doing. Uh, I'm focusing a lot on Ethereum right now because I do recognize that 2X. So... That's what I believe. You know, let's not forget about the past, right? It's a good place to look at. But what we should be doing is focusing on the future. Now, it's very likely that a new record high in a matter of weeks <laughs> scary Bitcoin could get to in a matter of weeks now if there's evidence to suggest this look no further than our good friends at Bact. yeah it's launching July 22nd so get your popcorn ready get your bags ready put those moon boots on we're, we're climbing above 10k this weekend and go ahead and call it now so don't FOMO in there if we get to 15K and fall back down to 12. Buy under 10 while you still can. All right, see you tomorrow.